you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. In the early years of World War II, Nazi Germany seemed unstoppable. Europe was in turmoil, and Hitler's forces continued to make significant gains across the continent. The Allies, including the United States, the United Kingdom, and the Soviet Union, knew that they needed to take decisive action to turn the tide of the war. They needed a plan. In the heart of London, at the heavily guarded headquarters of the Allied forces, key figures gathered to strategize. Among them were the brilliant and charismatic General Dwight D. Eisenhower, the indomitable British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, and the meticulous British Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery. Together, they would conceive a daring and ambitious operation that would become the largest seaborne invasion in history, Operation Overlord. Planning for the invasion was a monumental task, with countless moving parts and an intricate web of logistical challenges. The group faced numerous obstacles, from coordinating the deployment of thousands of troops, ships, and aircraft to synchronizing the efforts of multiple nations. Montgomery, as the chief architect of the invasion strategy, was tasked with developing a detailed plan that would maximize the chances of success while minimizing casualties. As they pored over maps, intelligence reports, and reconnaissance photos, the planners faced a series of difficult decisions. Where would the invasion take place? What routes would the airborne and amphibious forces take? How could they maintain the element of surprise, given the scale of the operation? And perhaps most importantly, how could they deceive the Germans and keep them guessing until the very last moment? The planners knew that the stakes were high. If the invasion failed, it would be a devastating blow to the Allied cause and could prolong the war indefinitely. Yet, they also recognized that the boldness of their plan was its greatest strength. The audacity of launching such a massive invasion would catch the Germans off guard, and if executed with precision, it could change the course of the war. As the weeks and months went by, the plan for Operation Overlord took shape. The planners meticulously laid out every aspect of the invasion, from the timing of the tides to the allocation of resources. They developed contingencies for every conceivable scenario and fine-tuned their strategies to minimize the risks involved. The importance of secrecy in the planning stages of Operation Overlord cannot be overstated. The fate of the operation hinged on the ability of the Allies to keep their plans hidden from the prying eyes of the German intelligence apparatus. Every member of the planning team was sworn to secrecy, and even the smallest details were guarded with the utmost care. As the date for the invasion approached, the tension in the planning headquarters grew palpable. The men and women who had labored tirelessly to bring Operation Overlord to fruition knew that they were on the cusp of a moment that could change the course of history. The weight of their responsibility was immense, 
but so too was their determination to see the mission through. The stage was set for the most daring and consequential military operation of the 20th century. The Gathering Forces In the months leading up to D-Day, an unprecedented assembly of men, machines, and material took place on the southern shores of England. The magnitude of the invasion required the mobilization of hundreds of thousands of soldiers from various allied countries, including the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, and numerous other nations. Each man was acutely aware of the gravity of the mission they were about to undertake, and the spirits of camaraderie and determination were palpable throughout the hastily constructed training camps and embarkation points. Amidst the vast sea of uniforms and military hardware, we meet some of the soldiers who will play key roles in our story. First, there's Lieutenant James Jimmy Mitchell, a young and idealistic American officer tasked with leading his platoon of paratroopers into the heart of enemy territory. Alongside him is his trusted friend, Sergeant Samuel Sammy Dawson, a grizzled veteran who had already faced combat in North Africa and Italy. Next, we're introduced to Lieutenant Colonel Charles Charlie Pemberton, a stoic and unflappable British officer in command of a regiment of elite commandos. As an experienced and decorated leader, he serves as a mentor to the young Captain Edward Eddie Harrington, who is eager to prove his worth in the heat of battle. Among the vast Canadian forces assembled for the invasion, we meet Private William Will O'Connor, a strapping young man who had left behind his life as a farmer in Saskatchewan to fight for freedom in Europe. Though untested in battle, his raw strength and unwavering sense of duty make him a formidable presence on the battlefield. As the days counted down to the invasion, the soldiers trained relentlessly, honing their skills and preparing themselves for the challenges that lay ahead. They conducted large-scale exercises designed to simulate the conditions they would face on the beaches of Normandy, including the daunting task of scaling the cliffs that overlooked the landing zones. The atmosphere was a mix of excitement and trepidation as the men formed new friendships, shared stories from home, and contemplated the uncertain fate that awaited them. Letters and packages from loved ones provided a welcome respite from the rigors of their training while brief moments of leisure allowed the soldiers to engage in friendly games of cards, soccer, and other pursuits that reminded them of the lives they had left behind. Throughout this period, the importance of secrecy remained paramount. The soldiers were kept in the dark about the specific details of the invasion, with even the exact date and location remaining a closely guarded secret. As a result, Wild rumors and speculation circulated throughout the ranks, further heightening the sense of anticipation. Finally, the orders came down, and the men were informed that the invasion was imminent. The soldiers boarded their ships and aircraft, their hearts heavy with the knowledge that many of them would not return. They gazed out at the English Channel, knowing that the enemy lay just beyond the horizon, and steeled themselves for the battle that would decide the fate of the free world. A web of deception. While the soldiers gathered in England prepared for the invasion, a separate battle was being fought behind the scenes. This battle was not one of bullets and bombs, but of deception and intrigue. The Allies knew that in order to ensure the success of Operation Overlord, they needed to keep the Germans guessing about their true intentions until the very last moment. To achieve this, they launched a series of elaborate and daring deception efforts, collectively known as Operation Fortitude. At the heart of Operation Fortitude was the creation of a fictitious army group, 
the first United States Army Group, FUSAG, which was purportedly led by the legendary American General George S. Patton. This phantom army was stationed in southeastern England and was made to appear as though it was preparing to invade the Pas de Calais region of France, the shortest distance across the English Channel. The ruse was supported by the construction of fake military installations, inflatable tanks and aircraft, and the broadcasting of false radio traffic. In reality, the true invasion force was assembling further to the west, preparing to strike at the beaches of Normandy. But in order to keep the Germans focused on the Pas de Calais, the Allies needed more than just convincing props and radio chatter. They needed spies. Enter the shadowy world of double agents, men and women who had infiltrated the ranks of the German intelligence apparatus and were secretly working for the Allies. Among the most notable of these agents was one Pugil Garcia, a Spaniard codenamed Garbo. Posing as a pro-Nazi Spanish diplomat, he managed to convince the Germans that he was running a vast network of informants throughout Britain. In reality, his network was entirely fictional, and the information he fed to the Germans was carefully crafted to support the Fusag deception. Another key figure in the deception operation was Norinayath Khan, a British Indian wireless operator who had been dropped into occupied France to work with the French resistance. Codenamed Madeline, she transmitted vital information back to London while maintaining the appearance of a loyal German informant. Her courage and resourcefulness would play a crucial role in keeping the Germans off balance in the lead-up to D-Day. As the day of the invasion drew nearer, the efforts of the double agents intensified. They fed the Germans a steady stream of false intelligence, indicating that the main attack would come at the Pas de Calais. The ruse was so effective that even as the first Allied troops began to land on the beaches of Normandy, the German high command remained convinced that it was merely a diversionary attack and that the real blow would fall elsewhere. The success of Operation Fortitude was a testament to the ingenuity and skill of the Allied intelligence community, as well as the bravery of the double agents who risked their lives to deceive the enemy. By sowing confusion and doubt in the minds of the German leadership, they helped to ensure that the forces landing on D-Day would face a weakened and unprepared enemy, paving the way for the liberation of Europe. The Final Countdown In the days leading up to the invasion, the air was thick with tension and anticipation. As the soldiers of the Allied forces went about their final preparations, they found themselves consumed by a mixture of fear, hope, and determination. E Assault on the Beaches the first light of dawn on June 6, 1944, revealed a sight that would remain etched in the memories of all who bore witness, a vast armada of Allied ships approaching the shores of Normandy. As the assault force drew closer to the beaches, the men aboard the landing craft steeled themselves for the battle to come. Among them were Private Will O'Connor, Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Pemberton, and Captain Eddie Harrington, each filled with a mixture of trepidation and determination as they faced the enemy's defenses. The beaches of Normandy had been heavily fortified by the Germans, with a formidable array of obstacles, minefields, and heavily armed bunkers awaiting the invaders. The Allies had meticulously planned their assault, choosing five separate beaches to be targeted by the United States, British, and Canadian forces, Utah, Omaha, Gold, Juno, and Sword. As the landing craft approached the shoreline, the naval bombardment began. 
Massive guns from the Allied warships unleashed a thunderous barrage, aimed at softening the enemy's defenses and creating a breach for the troops to exploit. The air was filled with the deafening roar of explosions, the crashing of waves, and the staccato bursts of machine gun fire. The moment had come. The ramps of the landing craft dropped, and the men poured out onto the beaches, charging headlong into the teeth of the enemy's defenses. Private Will O'Connor, a farm boy from Saskatchewan, found himself in the midst of a maelstrom of fire and fury as he struggled to make his way up the beach towards the German bunkers. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Pemberton and Captain Eddie Harrington led their commandos in a daring assault on the cliffs overlooking the beach. Scaling the steep cliffs under a hail of enemy fire, they fought their way to the top, clearing out the German defenders and securing a vital foothold for the advancing troops. On Omaha Beach, the situation was particularly dire. The American forces faced a brutal onslaught from the German defenders, who were dug in on the high ground overlooking the beach. Casualties mounted rapidly as the men struggled to make their way across the blood-soaked sands and up the steep bluffs. Despite the harrowing conditions and heavy losses, the men of the Allied forces refused to yield. Inch by inch, yard by yard, they fought their way forward, driven by their indomitable will to succeed and the knowledge that failure was not an option. Slowly but surely, they began to make progress, pushing the German defenders back and securing their footholds on the beaches. By the end of the day, the Allies had established beachheads on all five landing zones, though at a heavy cost in lives. The men who had survived the initial assault were exhausted, bloodied, but unbowed, their spirits buoyed by the knowledge that they had struck a crucial blow against the enemy. The first day of the Battle of Normandy had come to a close, and with it, the fate of the free world had shifted ever so slightly towards victory. The path ahead would be long and fraught with peril, but the men of the Allied forces had proven that they were more than equal to the challenge. They had stormed the beaches, defied the odds, and written their names in the annals of history. Pushing inland. With the beachhead secured, the Allied forces now faced the daunting task of pushing further inland to liberate the towns and villages of Normandy from German occupation. The soldiers, sailors, and airmen who had survived the initial assault were joined by fresh reinforcements, and together they began the difficult process of advancing through the Norman countryside. The days following D-Day were marked by a series of fierce battles, as the Allies encountered stubborn resistance from the German forces. The enemy had taken advantage of the region's dense hedgerows and narrow lanes to set up strong defensive positions, turning the peaceful French countryside into a deadly maze of ambushes and booby traps. Among those leading the charge was Sergeant Sammy Dawson, who had parachuted in on the night before D-Day with his fellow paratroopers. Now, as the main assault force advanced, he and his men found themselves in a brutal fight to clear the way for the advancing troops. In one particularly harrowing encounter, Dawson's squad became trapped in a vicious firefight in a small village, pinned down by enemy machine gun fire. Showing remarkable courage and ingenuity, Dawson led his men in a daring flanking maneuver, crawling through a drainage ditch to get behind the enemy's position. With a surprise attack, they managed to eliminate the machine gun nest and create an opening for the rest of their unit to advance. Meanwhile, Captain Eddie Harrington and his commandos were tasked with securing a vital bridge across the Orne River. The bridge was heavily guarded by German forces, 
but Harrington and his men were undeterred. In a daring night raid, they infiltrated the enemy lines and launched a surprise assault on the bridge, catching the Germans off guard and securing the vital crossing for the Allies. Private Will O'Connor, who had miraculously survived the carnage on the beaches, found himself thrust into the thick of the fighting as his unit advanced through the Norman countryside. As the battles raged on, O'Connor discovered a wellspring of courage within himself that he had never known, fighting alongside his comrades with a fierce determination to see the mission through. The men of the Allied forces faced numerous challenges and hardships as they fought their way inland. Supplies were often scarce, and the men were forced to scavenge for food and ammunition from the wreckage of battle. The long days and nights of combat took a heavy toll on their bodies and spirits, but they pressed on, spurred by their sense of duty and the knowledge that the liberation of Europe was within their grasp. As the days turned into weeks, the Allies continued to make steady progress, liberating towns and villages one by one as they pushed deeper into Normandy. The German forces, though battered and bruised, fought tenaciously to slow the Allied advance, but it was clear that the tide of the war had turned. The hard-won victories of the men and women of the Allied forces in the days and weeks following D-Day would prove to be a turning point in the struggle against Nazi tyranny. Their sacrifices and heroism had set the stage for the final push towards victory and the eventual liberation of Europe. The Breakthrough As the weeks passed, the Allied forces in Normandy continued to face fierce resistance from the German defenders. However, the momentum was now firmly on the side of the liberators. The steady stream of reinforcements, supplies, and air support pouring into the region began to tip the balance in their favor. The Allies knew that a decisive breakthrough was needed to shatter the enemy's hold on Normandy and pave the way for the liberation of France. To achieve this, they devised a bold and daring plan, codenamed Operation Cobra. The plan called for a massive bombing campaign to soften the German defenses, followed by a concentrated push by ground forces to punch a hole through the enemy lines. On the morning of July 25th, the skies above Normandy were filled with the thunderous roar of Allied bombers. Wave after wave of aircraft dropped their payloads on the German positions, obliterating their defenses and leaving a trail of destruction in their wake. It was a fearsome display of air power and a grim harbinger of the assault to come. As the dust settled and the smoke cleared, the ground forces surged forward, determined to exploit the chaos and confusion caused by the bombardment. Among them were Private Will O'Connor, Captain Eddie Harrington, and Sergeant Sammy Dawson, each playing their part in the pivotal battle. O'Connor's unit, spearheading the attack, encountered fierce resistance from the remnants of the German defenses. Undeterred, they pushed forward, their progress measured in yards rather than miles. The fighting was brutal and intense, but the men were spurred on by the knowledge that they were on the verge of a breakthrough. Captain Harrington and his commandos were tasked with an audacious mission to infiltrate the enemy lines and sabotage a key communications center, thereby disrupting the German command structure and throwing their forces into disarray. Under the cover of darkness, Harrington's men slipped through the shattered landscape, avoiding enemy patrols and reaching their target undetected. With surgical precision, they carried out their mission, planting explosives and slipping away just as the German command center was reduced to rubble. The loss of this critical asset threw the enemy forces into chaos, giving the Allies the opening they needed to press their advantage. 
At the forefront of the breakthrough was Sergeant Sammy Dawson, leading his men in a relentless drive towards the German rear. As they advanced, they encountered the remnants of the enemy's defenses, now crumbling under the weight of the Allied assault. With each passing hour, the gap in the German lines widened, and the prospect of victory grew ever closer. The combined efforts of the Allied forces in Operation Cobra proved to be the decisive blow that shattered the German defenses in Normandy. The once seemingly impregnable fortifications crumbled under the relentless pressure of the liberating forces, and the road to Paris lay open before them. The sacrifices and heroism of the men and women who fought in the Battle of Normandy had paid off, and the tide of the war had turned irrevocably in favor of the Allies. The road to victory would be long and fraught with peril, but there was now no doubt that the forces of freedom and democracy would ultimately triumph over the dark specter of tyranny. The Road to Paris <laughs>